Well, good. Shane, I love that picture. I love that follow-up to that, uh, to Ashley's word. It really, it really adds a lot because I think a lot of us, it's not so much that we've got the chain, it's that we're living like the chain's still there. You know, it's already been cut off. It's already, you've already been freed. Uh, but we, we kind of still, just like those animals, when you train an animal, Greg was talking to me yesterday about how they trained them uh, in the service. And, you know, they some of those methods are you get it used to, it can only go so far, and then it only goes so far. And so we can't let ourselves be, be chained back in our lives in any way. So that was that was excellent. So thank you. Thank you, everyone who responded to the Lord today. Um, hey, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. When, uh, we're going to look at something called living in the will of God, but it's a little bit different than you think. Anybody know where Hebrews is in their Bible? I don't, so hold on, i got to find it. <laughs> there it is. I found it. Apparently, I, I, I do know. Hebrews is uh, right after all the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, and all those toward the back. So Hebrews chapter 10. Hey, if you weren't here last week, uh, I wasn't here last week, but I did uh, listen to my wife's message. That was an awesome, awesome word for us, and I'd encourage you if, you, if you didn't hear it, it's on the internet. You can go on our website or go on our podcast and just search my name or Living Way Foursquare, and you should be able to find it um, and uh, pull that up because that was a great challenge about being devoted to one another, about the, 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 the early church. Those of you that are here, I can see you shaking your heads. There was, some, there was some good stuff that sounded like there was some great ministry going on. God was, was doing something. But there's, that's what we want. We want a sense of awe. We want a sense of the awe of the presence of God. We're amazed at what God's doing and that we are fully devoted to Him and fully devoted to one another. Hey, we got to do that with some guys last weekend. So us guys were doing that. We were being devoted to one another. I want you to know that while we were, while you guys were worshiping here, those of you that were here, there were some of us there, and then there were other people that were at other places. But man, we were we were having a great time just praying, laying hands on each and every one of us. We were praying the the presence and power of God. It was pretty cool. So uh, we were being devoted to one another. That's one way to get devoted for someone is to pray with them to like share your life with them and to, to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with you. I'm going to believe with you that something's going to change in your life, that you know, you're going you're gonna to receive what you need in your life. So if you didn't hear that, go ahead and, man, pop that on your, your phone or whatever device you use. Um, if you want a hard copy, we can order them back there if you still are going old school. Um, <clears throat> CDs are old school now. So <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to talk about living in the will of God. So I want to read uh, the first, let's read the first 10 verses together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word as we read it to you. It says this, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Let me stop there. Let me tell you what the book of Hebrews is. The book of Hebrews is a very Jewish book. It's written to a group of Jews. And so a lot of the language is talking about the law and the sacrifices. There's a lot about the blood of the lamb and then the lambs and then the blood of the lamb. 
And so there, it's, a, it's a very Jewish book, but it's, it's all about, if you've ever read through the Old Testament and looked at the whole sacrificial system, Hebrews unpacks that for you. It says, hey, here's the real meaning. It says, hey, th- those things were only a copy or a shadow. The real deal was Jesus. And he came into the, the real temple, the, to, the, to the real altar, and he sacrificed himself, and it was once and for all. So that's kind of what it's going to be talking about here. So it's comparing the old, the sacrificing of animals and all that stuff that used to have to go to on, that we don't have to do anymore, to the new. So if it could, so in other words, if it could make those perfect, would they not have stopped being offered? In other words, the reason, there was a reason they had to keep doing the sacrifices. They weren't sufficient. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But, there's a but there, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, for us, that sounds, you're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> I never thought it did. But you've got to remember, this is written to the Jewish culture where this is it. This is the deal. This is how it works. This is how, this is how sin is forgiven, is the blood of bulls and goats. So this is, that's a shock, more shocking statement than, than we think because we're on the other side, because we're not, we weren't ever in that. Verse 5, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, He quotes Psalm 40, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. Look, this is Jesus saying this. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First He said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. And then in parentheses it says, although the, low, although the law required them to be made. Then he, who's he? Jesus. Then Jesus said, here I am, I have come to do your will. And so he sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot. A lot of people read the book of Hebrews and go, what was that about? <laughs> Let me go back to Psalms. It's a little bit easier. You know, so Hebrews is a little bit of a challenging book. Part of it is the culture because we weren't we weren't steeped in that culture. If you if you study up on all the Old Testament, then you would you would get it a little bit more. But there's there's a couple things going on. I mentioned one of them earlier. Number one, it was just saying, hey, the old way didn't work. Verses one through four, the old way didn't work. It was imperfect and it was never meant to last. It wasn't meant to be the thing. It was it was a, a shadow, a picture uh, of a foretelling of what was to come. In other scriptures, it says, you know, the law was supposed to lead us to Jesus. In other words, we're supposed to go, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. This is not working. And then there's Jesus. So it was meant to drive us, the schoolmaster, as it says in the King James, to bring us to Christ. So then in verse 5, it quotes Psalm 40, where Jesus says, hey, here's what I'm, I'm quoting that. 
these are not these are not really what God wanted. Ultimately, those sacrifices, that's not what God wanted. He never wanted it to, to, to stay that way, to be that way. And then Jesus said, I come to do your will. And then in verse 9, it says that, that when he said that, what does he say? Verse 9, he said, here I am, I've come to do your will. So in other words, he's saying, that's gone, this is, this is now here. In other words, the, the old covenant with its laws is gone, and I'm here with the new. So it says he set aside the first to establish the second. Okay? And by that will, we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Think about this. When I say living in the will of the Lord, what do we all think of? We think of like when I was 18 going, Oh God, what's your will for my life? God, what do you want, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, what, what am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Who am I supposed to marry? Right? When you're younger, you got that question. Some of us still have that question. Okay. <laughs> you know, God, what's your will? <laughs> so, you know, what, what, are you, what are you leading me to do? But there's, a, there's another will of God that you can live in. And it's living in the will of God that He accomplished for you. It says, look, that God has a will. And Jesus says, I've come to do your will. And he said, here's my will, that you're holy, that you're set apart, that you're sanctified, that you're purified. Notice it doesn't say you need to get there. Right? Does does the scripture say you need to get sanctified yourself? You're like, I don't know. It's the book of Hebrews. Don't, you're supposed to tell me. <laughs> That's why I'm at church, Pastor. You tell me, right? <laughs> okay. No, I mean, no. <laughs> what does it say there? This is awesome. Here's the will of God being manifest in my life. If I could just live in the will that He's already accomplished, wouldn't it be amazing? You know, God's been speaking to me about identity. Identity is so powerful. You know, and this is part of my identity in Christ. If I have received Jesus into my life, if He's the Lord of my life, if He's, you know, if I'm walking in obedience to Him and He has come into my life, filled me with His Holy Spirit, He is, I pass from death to life. I'm a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm a child of God. I'm seated in heaven. I'm sitting next to Jesus in heavenly places over every authority. I've been forgiven of my past. I've been freed. I've been set free. I have a, I have a new calling. I have a new name. The old is gone, the new has come. My identity, but part of my identity is the will of God is that I have been made holy. I have been sanctified. I have already been set apart. I think, and I may be off here. You can test it and see. I think a lot of what we do sometimes in church is we're trying, we're praying for God to do things that He's already done. It says, I have already been made holy or sanctified, whichever word your translation used, set apart. I have been. It's a past act. In other words, and how did this happen? The will of God. Isn't it cool that God said, I want to do that for you? I want to do that for you. It's not like I have to do it for you. I did it because, you know, there's no other way. Uh, man, it was a real drag when I did it. It really stunk, but I still did it anyway. Just, you know, I wanted to show you how much of a loser you were, you know, that I would go through this trouble for you. 
You know, have you ever had somebody do that for you where like they do you a favor, but then they're like, you're like, was that a favor or no? Because <laughs> they're like telling, oh man, it's really hard for me. I really did this. I wanted to sacrifice for you. Well, thanks. <laughs> That's not, how, that's not how Jesus did it. He showed up and said, I'm here to do your will, oh God. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to accomplish it. I want to do this for you. I, I want to set you apart. I want, I want you to be holy. I'm looking at Shane right now going, I'm going to make him holy. I'm going to set him apart. He's going to be a different person because of me. It's my desire. I want to do this. That's God's will. That's his desire. Hey, what? Guess what? I get to live in that will. I can live in who I've already been. I have already been made holy. So whenever I'm dealing with an issue in my life that looks like something else that's not me, then look, I have to live from my identity. You know, when I go to the bank, I've used this illustration before. When I go to the bank, what do you do? You pull out my ID. Okay, now at my bank, I bank it... The credit union, Midland, whatever, whatever it's called now, my community credit union. Yeah, I, I know they have my picture on the screen too. If I walk in, the, walk inside and do the tellers inside for some reason, and I'm not in my car, or I can have it way more convenient. But they, they already know who I am. They walk in and they can tell. I give them my account number and all that. And if they looked at me, they would know who my, what my identity was. I mean, the picture is a little bit old. I do look a little bit younger in this one. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> but if I if I go in, I don't have to be somebody else. I just have to be myself. And I can get anything out of my bank account I want. It's I don't have to become something. I don't have to beg and plead. I don't have to get do you know do some rigmarole. I don't have to sing a song. I don't have to do anything. All I do is, is go, man, this, this is me. I want this. Boom, I get it. That's how our identity works in the spirit. It's not about me going through all this rigmarole, going through all this stuff. It's like, no, I'm me. I'm me. I show up, I'm me, and I, I, I receive. Because that's, that's who I am. That's, that's what I deserve. You know, we have to get past the fact that, I, you know, I deserve. I deserve to be forgiven. Why? Because Jesus said it was his desire. You know what? I want to live in God's will. I deserve to be forgiven because God said you're worth being forgiven. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I don't deserve it because of what I've done. I deserve it because of what he's done. But I deserve it. I, it's rightfully mine. Jesus said I already paid for it. And because I have already made you holy, you're a new person. Your identity now says you can come and draw on that. You just have to show up and be you. Because when you go to the heavenly bank, who does the Father see? He sees Jesus. Says, what am I? I'm going to give anything to Jesus. Let's go to verse 11. He says, day after day, he's going through the, the, the rituals here. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, who's that priest? Jesus. The, the correct answer is Jesus this time, okay? Uh, the Sunday school answer. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Here's a couple things I want to point out. Uh, number one is what Jesus sits down. That's very important because the priests would never sit down when they were on duty. They were standing up the whole time. So the significance is huge. That means when the priest sits down, it's done. It's finished. It is over. It's been taken care of. And so when Jesus sat down in heaven at the right hand of God, it says he's sitting there. It means the work of salvation, the work of redemption is already done. It is already completed. You know, that's why he said it is finished on the cross. You know, this is, this is already, it's over with. There's, there's nothing else that needs to be done to secure my salvation with God, to secure my forgiveness, to secure my freedom. We were talking about freedom and breaking chains. It's already been secured. Jesus sat down and says, I'm not doing it anymore. He says he had to do it one time, once and for all. One time. And then in verse 13, what does it say? What's Jesus waiting for? He's waiting for all of his enemies to be put under his feet. In other words, there's a working out in the natural of what has already been accomplished in the spiritual. Jesus has already won the victory. We don't have to try to get victory in our lives because Jesus already won it. We have to receive and walk in victory that is already ours because we are his. If I'm his, I have his inheritance. If I have his inheritance, I have his victory. If I have his victory, then nothing can stand against me. If God is for me, who can be against me? It's all based on what Jesus did and who I am in him. My identity. Okay, and so all the enemies, that's what, what's happening in time. I know in the United States, we, it, looks like, it looks like God's losing, Right? Does it look like God's losing the United States? Do you get depressed like looking around? Golly, what's going on in our country? What's happening in our country? But look, I got, I got to let you know. This is a shocker. <laughs> the most important country to God is not the United States. You know, we kind of think that, don't we, as American Christians? Don't we? I, even I say that statement, I'm like, is that true? <laughs> But it's not. We're not the most important country to God. God's looking at the whole world. All the countries are important to Him equally. And so the fact that there's millions and millions and millions upon millions of Chinese Christians right now the victory is happening. It's being worked out. The enemies are being put under our feet. Just because in our small little country of 350 million people out of 6.5 billion, does any, has anybody gone to school recently? Is there, are we to 7 billion people yet? You know what percentage of the earth the United States is? It's pretty small. So we cannot judge what God is doing on earth by a small portion of the entire earth. And that's what we do sometimes. This is, this is all free and I'm receiving it right now. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, I bet you that happens in every country. You know what? You're in, when I'm in Poland with Pastor Mark, he's thinking about his country. He's thinking about his people. And of course we should. You know, 
They, he thinks Poland is the most important country to God. <laughs> and he's right and he's wrong. Because they're all important. They're all, we're all equally important to God. And so we can't, we can't base on the fact, on what God is doing by what I see in my little world. You know, around the earth, even in the Muslim countries, man, the Christians are, are growing and growing and growing and growing. They're multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. There's more Christians alive right now than there has been that have died all in the past. Islam is not winning. We don't have to be afraid of anything that's, you know, we don't have to be afraid, afraid of, there, there's no fear in love. We're, we're in the love of God. We're in the, we're, we're, we belong to Him. We don't have to be afraid of anything. So that's, that's good news. So the, the enemies are being put under His feet. In our small section of the world, it looks a little questionable right now. But around the earth, if you pull what's going on in the church around the earth, it's alive and well. God's doing miracles. Remember we watched that, some of you were here, we watched the videos of what God was doing in the South Pacific. How there was 4,000 people saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit in a single instant. And there, there was once only a minuscule number of churches and now there's like 18,000. God, God's living from His already done victory. It's manifesting itself on earth. And so we need to be encouraged sometimes to say, I need the heavenly view, God. Sometimes it's too much of what I see in just my own little world, whether that's my neighborhood, whether that's my family, whether that's my city or my country or my state or whatever. I want to say, God, I want to, I want to see beyond that. So his enemies are being put under his feet. Let's go back to verse 11. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Now, this is, I've never even thought of this idea before, but let me ask you this question. What kind of offering are you making to God? What kind of offering are you Because we make offerings. What, we don't do animals and fires and stuff. Although the fire might be kind of fun. <laughs> Us guys last week, we lit a, lit a bonfire. It's hot. We still want, let's burn a fire, right? <laughs> Just because we can and we're dudes and it's fun. <laughs> and it was big, a big fire pit. Who wouldn't want a big fire pit if you're a, if you're a guy? You know, but but we make offerings, don't we? Is our worship an offering to God? You know, is our you know is our devotion to Him an offering? Okay, here's the here's here's the thing I never thought of before. None of those things better be sin offerings. What I mean by that is, are you doing that so you become right with God? If that's the case, then your offering is a sin offering. In other words, you're trying to offer something to atone, to make up for the bad stuff you've done. Have you ever done that before? Look, we, we've all done it. Think of, think, of your, think of the sin that you don't like to do that you sometimes do. Okay? You're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> okay? Now, what happens right after you do that? You're like, you're you're mad. You're you're ashamed. You you feel guilty. Um, what do you, what do you sometimes do? You want you got to get right with God, right? So you you got to, but do you? 
<laughs> it's a good question. Am I making a sin offering? Am I trying to do something so that I'm right with God when Jesus says, I've already made you right with God? Just believe what I've already done. This is kind of different. <laughs> but I think sometimes we're living in the Old Testament. We're living in the Old Covenant. This is good news. We're in the New Covenant. It's the covenant of grace. It's the covenant of blessing. Look, it, we, don't, we don't deserve it in a sense. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. But it's freely ours. It's been given freely. And so when I worship, I don't have to... After I've had a bad week of sinning every single day, if that's the case for you this past week, it's like, man, this is the worst week ever. I screwed up. I did this. I did that. I didn't want to do that. I said this. I didn't want to say that. And then you come Sunday, and what do you do? Oh, I need to get to the altar. And I'm not, I'm not saying anybody that went to the altar got prayer today. But, but think about it. Our motivation should not be, I do that to get right with God, because I'm right with God through Jesus. Because if I live in the will of God, the will of God says I'm, I'm sanctified. I am made holy because of Him. I'm trusting in Him. Some of you are looking at me funny. Some of you have been in church a while, you're going, I don't know about that. But I ask you to look in the Scriptures and say, you know, if I'm doing something to earn more from God, I have stepped into works. I've stepped out of grace into the law. Grace is this. I'm a new person and God gives me new power and I live from, from who I am in Him and His power. Grace is the power not to, not to cover up all the bad stuff. It's the power to live right. God says, I'll get, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect, is perfected in weakness. So I encourage you that my offerings are always an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of, of, of grace, an offering of praise it's not a sin offering. And they can, they can be real close. Because I'm like you. I'm just like you. If I say the wrong thing to my wife, what do I do? I feel guilty for a while. And it's like, I feel a little bit far from God. Ooh, I need to look. And I, you do need to take care of it with the person. Look, if, if you say something, you've got to take care of it. That's, that's taking care of the relationship. That's taking care of the relationship. But nothing has changed... In my identity. It's the same way with God. We go to Him. And, and I know we use the word make things right with God. And I know what we mean. But hey, we get, we get with God. But it's not so that we earn something from Him. It's so that we're reminded of who we already are. Verse 14. Now that I've all gone through that, watch this. I don't know if I'm just having fun messing with my own mind or my own heart today. It says, verse 14, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Okay. Now it just said that we're being made holy, but we're already made holy, right? Didn't it say both? Is this a contradiction? Well, I, I just assume it's not. When I go to the Bible, I go, it's not a contradiction. Here's how it works. 
my identity and who I am in my spirit is changed when I become a believer in Jesus. Now, my soul is still being sanctified. What is your soul? Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Do your emotions sometimes... Okay, don't answer this for your wife. (laughs) Your emotions get off into areas they don't need to be in sometimes? Right. Because why? Does that mean you're suddenly... You're all out of whack? No, it means your soul... Because when, you, when, we're, when we're born, we learn to feed our souls and not our spirits. And so we learn to live totally from what I want, what I feel, and what I think. And so we're, we, we grow up until we, until we come to the Lord, to Jesus, and we get saved. And then he says, you know what? I come and live inside of your spirit, your, the heart of who you are, and I begin to change you from the inside out. And so now you're a new person on the inside, so you are made holy. The real you is holy, and the real you is getting out into all those places. Because my mind isn't always thinking like the real me. So when you're a, when you're a saint, because the Bible says every believer is not a sinner anymore. I'm not a sinner. I am no longer a sinner. In Romans 6, it says, I've been set free from sin. In all the scriptures, what do, what do they write to? Who do they write to? Do they write to the, to the sinners that are at the church of Ephesus, Ephesus? To all the sinners who throughout the region of Achaia and all those things. What does it say at the beginning of every book, every epistle, every letter written from the apostles is this. To the saints, to the holy ones, to the faithful ones. He always addresses them first by who they are. Then sometimes he says, hey, you need to change this because that's not who you are. You're not darkness anymore. You're light. And so it always starts with who you are first and then who you're made to be in my outward actions. But it has to start on the inside first. The law was this. The old covenant was this. Change the outward and it will affect the inward. The new covenant is this. Change the inside and it affects the outward. And so we have to be careful... Especially, I would say, with with young people, with the younger generation, sometimes we're coming at them first with the law. We're first coming at them with, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And if we tell someone all the things they're not supposed to do, but they don't know who they are, it ain't going to work. The Bible says that didn't work. All that happens is a cycle. A cycle of, hey, if they try, they're going to try and then fail. They're going to try and then fail. They're going to try and then fail because they need to first know who they are and live from that identity because my identity is that I have already been made holy and I am being made holy day by day as the Holy Spirit in my spirit connected with me teaches me to have my soul submitted to my spirit, that my spirit is in charge then of my mind. The spirit then is in charge of my desires, my will, the things I want change. That's what has to happen, is we have to have an identity. The things I feel change. My emotions don't get out of control when I'm walking in the Spirit. Because when I walk according to the Spirit, I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. 
what is that about? You know, it's not a don't do this, do this thing. It's a it's a thing that says, hey, when I'm full of God's spirit, when I'm living in who I am, who he is in me, then I'm not going to do that. It's not even going to be a, a question. I don't even have to resist anymore because I'm living from my identity that I have been made holy by a single offering. I am being made holy. Jesus does not have to die again. He is enough. Okay, one more thing. <laughs> Does this making sense? Is this is this heresy? <laughs> but this is good news. That's why that's why we got to bring people the good news. And sometimes I'm afraid we're bringing we're, we're bringing the law first when someone needs to first have grace and experience salvation, then they're going to change. Why are we so up in arms about the world going to hell? The world is going to hell. Like, they're just living out there who they are. Why am I so mad about that? Why am I so concerned about someone? How can they act like, well, how can they not? They, how can they not? Someone who doesn't know Jesus has no choice but to act out of who they are. They have to meet the one first that says, I want to change you. I want to make you holy. I, I have done everything that's, that's necessary to buy you back into the family of God. we got to start with, with that. You know, the law came through Moses. What, in John 1, what did it say? The law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. It's got to start with Jesus. It's got to start with grace because it's the grace that happens in someone's life that begins to change you. I mean, how many of us can say that if we tried really hard to not do something bad, how has that worked out for you? It doesn't work because you know what? The thing you think about is the thing you think about. And then you think about it more. <laughs> and it says in the scriptures, with the law is the power of sin. In other words, the way that sin works in your life is to say, I don't want to do that. The way grace works in my life is that I'm looking at Jesus and I'm living with Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus and He's filling me with life every day and, it, and I'm going into the, to the throne room of heaven boldly and I'm receiving in my inheritance day after day. This is who you are. You're a child of God. 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 And I go, why would I do that now? And I go, I'm not even doing it. I don't even care about that anymore. That's how you bring, get deliverance is because you're living out of who you are. You have been set free. There are so many past tense verbs in the scripture about what has already been happened, what has already happened through Jesus. Sometimes, and I, I'm, I'm right with you, I do the same thing. It's like you mess up, whatever that mess up is, it could be big or little, and you kind of, you feel like an outsider for just for a while, however long you want to dwell in it. Sometimes you punish yourself, you're like, I'm going to feel bad about that for a long time. Look, you don't need to make a guilt offering. There were guilt offerings in the Old Testament, but what does it say? Those, are, those aren't what God wanted. You don't have to feel guilty for a long time. Just boom, right then, right then, right then. No, I'm a child of God. That's not me. Lord, I confess that. That's not even me. I just confess that that's not, that's not who I am. That's not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not involved in that anymore. That is not my identity. I'm walking in who I am now. Jesus, give me eyes to see you and who I am in you. That's what it's talking about in Hebrews here. It's saying, hey, that, that didn't work. You don't have to work something up. You don't have to do the sin offering. Don't, don't bring a sacrifice every Sunday for all the bad stuff you did last week. 
That's not what worship is. Worship is like, I'm already free, baby. Yes, I'm going to receive from God. I'm going to glorify Him. I'm going to step in to the Holy of Holies. I'm going to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to see the power and presence of God released because I am His child. And you know what I do sometimes? I'm just going to preach to myself for a second. One more time. Okay? I sometimes believe that for me, but for somebody else, I want to I help them out. Okay? Only the people close to me. So if you're not real close to me, you're safe. Okay? Like, I'm not getting close to you, sucker. Okay. Um, but think about this. I have control issues. And I'm not saying we shouldn't tell our kids right and wrong. That's, that's not what I'm talking about today. Absolutely not. I'm not saying we should never say something's right or wrong. My point is this. Sometimes I want it to work differently for someone else. In other words, I I want to control them. You know, if they're not doing it, it's just not going the way I want it to go. My wife is not in here, right? <laughs> no. I need her to help me here. I don't know. You know, you just, you just want to change someone, right? Whoever they are in your life is close. And, and you look, it's, first of all, it's just not going to work. Look, I've tried it. I'm really good at it. I'm a, I'm a great controller, okay? You know, passive-aggressive not, does not work, okay? Kind of the hinting. Anybody do hinting? You know, you, we, mostly this works in marriages, okay? But sometimes they work with other relationships. It can be a friendship or whatever, or maybe a, a, a grown child or something where you're like, let me help you parent. You know, I know you're grown up, but let me help. I don't know if that's a grandparent temptation. I'm not there yet. So, um, but anytime I am at the situation where I am trying to control someone else, where I want them to do something, and like, you know, I don't directly say it, Unless you're the real aggressive, you know, just get mad and say it type. Like you just want to make something happen, so you just get mad and blow up and get what you want. But what am I doing in that situation? I'm wanting the outward to control their inward. I'm wanting the outward that I'm putting on them, the words or the hints or the, you know, the whatever, however you communicate that you want someone to do something without directly telling them to do it. I'm wanting my outward to mess with their inward. And it doesn't work that way. It has to happen for them on the inside. And so the best thing for me is to first of all let God work in my heart because obviously there's some issues going on there. huh? (laughs) There's some control issues going on here that you need to let go of. I need to let go of that and say, God... I am not in control of that person, whoever that person is. It's, it's somebody you love. You know what? The person on the street, I don't care about controlling them, right? Who cares what they do? I mean, I like to control them when I drive. You know, I want to, like if they're going too fast and I'm in front of them and they're tailgating me, then I slow down because I want to control their behavior. <laughs> okay, but, but isn't that what we want to do? We want to control someone else's behavior. What we want is the old covenant. We're trying to use the old covenant. The power of man 
on the outside to change the inside. It's never going to work. And it's going to make that relationship worse because I'm, I'm operating outside of grace. The work of grace is to, work, is to live in the Spirit. And I got, if I am walking in the Spirit, I'm going to be a blessing to that person and I'm going to encourage them to further walk in the Spirit because I'm living out of who I am. I'm wanting them to live out of who they are too. If they don't know Jesus yet, then that's my goal, is to pray them into the kingdom of God. You know what? Here's the deal. We do make offerings as well. It says we're sitting with Jesus in the heavenlies, and it also says that we have been made a kingdom of priests. We are not priests for our own sins. We are to intercede for those who haven't come into the kingdom yet. Because Jesus, it says in Hebrews 9, 24, it says, Jesus ever liveth to make intercession. He is already interceding for me. But I can join in with his intercession and say, I'm going to intercede for this person who is not yet a child of God. That's my, that's my offering right there is intercession for someone else. Again, I'm not making the sacrifice for them. I'm interceding and saying, Jesus, get in their life. I don't even know where to go with that from here. So, Did I challenge you to make you think? Okay, we can, let me read the rest of the scripture. That's what I was going to do. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15 says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. In other words, it's going to be an inward thing, not an outward thing. And I will write them on their minds. Then he adds their sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. That's still shocking that God can forget stuff. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So in other words, again, it's just affirming what I've already been preaching to you. It's saying, hey, look, you don't need to sacrifice for your own sin. It's already been sacrificed for. Just walk in who you are. Live in who you are. Let me throw one more out and then we'll pray and, cl- and close and set up for family promise. Those of you that can stay. Um, you know that scripture in Jeremiah that says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else? You know that doesn't apply to you as a, as a Christian? That doesn't apply to me as, as a Christian. That's the old covenant. My heart, the ultimate core of who I am, is no longer deceitfully wicked. It's a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now my flesh is on the outside. The inside is the real me. The outside is sometimes the fake me. And so I'm wanting the real me to get to overcome the fake, you know, the poser, the whatever you want to call it, the faker uh, in my life. You know, that's just another free thing. Sometimes we, we, we speak things over ourselves that are not true. You know, if you're always saying, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, you know what you're going to live like? A sinner. If you start declaring over yourself every morning, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I am forgiven. I am free. I am not alone. You know, declare who you are in the morning. Start your day like that. Say, first of all, you welcome the Holy Spirit into your day. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in, into my day. He's already there. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be welcomed. It's just kind of like saying, good morning. Hi, how are you? I, I'm, I want to I be about what you're about today. And then we can be reminded of, hey, God, who are you and who am I? 
I need to know who God is and who I am. Let's stand. Lord, I just thank you for the truth of your scriptures. Lord, we ask for that to be sealed in our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the spirit of truth. You are the spirit of grace. You are the spirit of the new covenant, Lord. And we want to live as new covenant believers. We don't want to live where we're, we're feeling guilty all the time. We don't want to live where we're in a cycle of, of repeating uh, repeated behavior and shame and guilt and just just over and over again where we're doing this over and over again. No, we don't have to live like that, Lord. We ask that we would live in the grace, in the power of the Spirit, in the newness of life. It says we've been raised in newness of life. Lord, I pray for also all of us who have control issues right now, Lord, that we, we surrender to you. We let go of those things. We say, God, you are better at taking care of that person than I am. So why release control right now and say, God, you work in them. Lord, and you probably need to work in me more because I'm worried about working in the, me working in them. Lord, help us, Lord. Help us release that to you. We surrender to you, God. Let us live from grace. Let us live from freedom. Let us live from truth. Let us live from power. Let us live from hope. Let us live from love because that's who you are. That's who you are in us. We want to live as if Jesus already did it, God. Help us believe that. Help us live like it's, there's been a sacrifice once and for all. I am forgiven. I am free. I am a new person. The past has no hold on me. The old is gone. The new has come. Lord, we, lit, we, we just thank you and we declare it over our lives that we might understand it, have a renewed mind, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give somebody a hug, a high five, greet one another, and then help us set up if you can. <laughs>